This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, right. You're not all doing great, but I appreciate you. I mean, come on. That's good. I'm glad some of you are doing great. Uh, If you're not doing great, that's okay, too. Uh, God wants to, to meet you here today, where you are great, not great, somewhere in between, kind of just sort of hanging on. Uh, God is the God who meets us when we hang on. Uh, My name's Kevin, and I get to share with you for a few minutes uh, from God's Word. We get to talk about life. Uh, We get to talk about conviction. And to start off, we get to talk about Survivor, uh, because Survivor is one of my favorite TV shows. Uh, Have you seen Survivor? Do you know Survivor? Uh, If you don't know Survivor, uh, the premise behind it is that there are uh, 20 people, and they vote someone out each week. There are challenges, and you can win immunity, and, and uh, alliances happen, and so these packs of people begin to form, and, uh, and they vote each other out. And then when it gets down to 12 people, uh, each person that they vote out gets put on this jury, and then this jury ends up voting for the final three people to pick their, uh, the sole survivor, and the sole survivor wins a million dollars. And uh, I try not to watch Survivor. I really do. I, I mean— uh, I try to stay away from it, but something about Survivor draws me in, right, every time. And there are people on there that you just love to hate, that just uh, drive you crazy. And uh, people lie and, and cheat, and they, uh, they steal from each other. A guy, a uh, poor guy, he doesn't even have any hair, and he had a hat, and his hat got burned in the fire. Uh, and it's like, you're trying to keep the sun off, you know? I mean, this is a safety issue. Uh, you know, they don't even have sunscreen. It, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. But uh, one guy even... He swore on his children's life that something was true when he knew it was a lie. Uh, on his children's life. And I, I, I'm blown away. And he didn't win. And so something in me felt like that was vindication. And, uh, there's something about Survivor, though, right? When, when, when they ask the survivors, they do this recap show because it's not long enough to do a, a two-hour season finale. Then they need an hour-long recap where everyone gets pulled back in at the end and uh, just to make a little more money, you know. And so... Uh, they asked, the, they asked the panel, kind of, why do you play the game the way that you do? And they said, well, we think it's the best way to play, the best way to win a million dollars. And so we do these things. We make these choices. We choose to either uh, have uh, more morality and truth, or we just choose to lie and steal, because it's the game, right? This is not life. This is a game, and, and we want to play the game to win, and we want to do the best we can, and we think that playing the game this way is the best way to, to win. And I think uh, what draws us into Survivor is how uh, scary it is that life imitates art when it comes to Survivor, right? We, we play the game to win. We, we make the choices that we do because we think it's the best way to live life. Uh, we're talking about conviction this morning, kind of what is it that guides you, that directs you, that leads you on this path? Uh, what leads you through the interactions of everyday life that gets you to the ultimate uh, goal, the ultimate end. And, and for most of us, the thing that leads us is that we believe that the way that we are playing the game, the way that we are living this life, is the best way to do it, or else we wouldn't play that way. For most of us, for many of us. But uh, for others, uh, I think we play the game because we don't know any other way to play, right? We, we are stuck in patterns, in cycles, and habits. Some people call it addiction or, or dysfunction. Uh, we're stuck in this thing that we just don't know any way out of it. And so we live our lives and we play a game that way, even though we know it's not the best way to live because we just can't find uh, any other way. 
we, we look at relationships and uh, we stay in dysfunctional relationships because at least with dysfunctional relationships, there's someone there, right, who says that they love us and care about us or uh, addictions, things to, to ease the pain. And uh, at least we, uh, we think that maybe there's something there. Um, I, I smoked for like seven years, half a pack a day or a pack a day, not seven years, maybe six years, uh, half a pack a day or a pack a day. And uh, I knew it was going to kill me. And, and if you're a smoker, I'm not trying to come down on you, but I knew it was bad for me. You can't watch TV and not know, but that was the only way that I knew, right? It was this pattern, this habit, and it wasn't until I broke through that pattern by God's help that I found another way to live. And so I want to talk this morning about another way to live. The world around us, the world that we live in, that we are a part of, uh, this global community, it, it tells us that uh, finding our own path is really the best way to go. Right? Find your own way to happiness, to truth, to freedom. Uh, celebrate your independence. Uh, do it however you want to do it. Uh, although human history has shown us that kind of finding our own path, our own way, isn't always the most helpful thing, uh, this is what the world celebrates. And I looked up conviction, and uh, conviction is simply a fixed or firm belief that guides our life. Uh, and so the question that we have to ask is, if, if conviction is fixed or firm belief that guides our lives, this collection of interactions that we have, what is your conviction founded on? We all have beliefs about the way the world works, about people, human nature, about the divine, about God, about how we got here. We all have beliefs. Whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, you have some sort of belief around that. Uh, So what is it that, that guides you? What is it that you base your life on? What is it that uh, ultimately leads you to do the things to uh, take the actions that you want to take? When I found out I was preaching this sermon, I started to think, well, what is the, the conviction that we want to talk about today, right? Because uh, the Bible is full of convictions, and if we're not careful, those convictions become kind of this legal code that we live by, but God doesn't come to bring this legal code. He came to bring life, and, and full life, and extreme life. And so what is it that guides us, that directs us? What is it that God would want to say to us about conviction? And, and uh, I think what God would want to say is um, his great desire is that we would base our convictions on the fact that there is a God, that God is beautiful, and God is loving, and God is creative, and, and God made this whole big thing because he loves, and his love overflowed into what we call humanity, uh, and that God revealed himself in Jesus. Uh, that the ultimate picture of, of life is Jesus, and that the life that God calls us to live is the best way for us to live and the best way for the world to live. Uh, I, I would say that's kind of at the core, that there is a God— God created us, God revealed himself in Jesus, and God gives us a way to live life with him that is the best way. Not just for us, not just for the people in this room, not just for me, but for the entire world. That if I would live the way that God would want me to live, it's good for you. And if people in the world would experience God and live the way that God would call them to live, it's really good for them, and it's actually good for me. I don't think that the way of Jesus is just a good way or a nice way. I think it's the best way. I think it's the only way to full life, to true life. The scriptures teach that God designed us to experience and to follow God. Not just to come here and to have this experience where the worship is good and and we we hear teaching, that's experiencing God, but then that that would lead us to following God 
to, uh, to walking with God, to experiencing God and, and choosing the things of God. In John eight thirty one, Jesus says to his followers, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That word to know is a Greek word, gnosko, uh, which simply means to experience, to know by an action. So uh, there are different words for know in the Bible, uh, the idea of knowing, and one of them is that you would read a book and you would understand something, uh, so you would know it intellectually. Kind of you've got this idea. But this word, when Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, it's the idea that you uh, hold to Jesus' teachings, that we do the things of God, and then through the doing the things of God, we are experiencing the truth of God, and we are experiencing freedom. Jesus doesn't just want us to hear the truth. He wants us to experience the truth. And there's a distinction there. It's the difference between experiencing God, hearing about God, uh, being on the outside and liking kind of the worship music or being somewhat uh, connected to the speaker and then really experiencing the truth of God, living it out, knowing it. And that's where conviction falls. It falls in the, the living, the things of God. I want to explore that this morning. I want to explore the idea of living the things of God, of experiencing the things of God. Uh, and I want to do it uh, by talking about wrestling. Uh, because who doesn't like wrestling, right? Um, there's a story in the Bible of a wrestling match. Uh, and to, to, before we get into the story, you have to know the background of the story. Uh, the story is a story of this family, and we're three generations into this family at the point of this story. And the family uh, is a family of liars. Uh, they're, they're, good, they're trying to follow God. They're good people, but they lie. They have this issue that goes throughout the generations. The grandfather, he told some big lies. Uh, he called his uh, his wife, his sister, which wasn't totally a lie, but really kind of was to save his own skin. Uh, and it really made her upset. Uh, and as you can imagine, right, don't try this at home. Uh, and the dad, the, he tells some lies, and, and uh, his brother-in-law tells some pretty big lies and gets him in trouble. And then there's these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob is the younger brother, and Esau is the older brother. And uh, Jacob, is, uh, he's got this lying issue in his life. Uh, we'll call it a sin. Uh, basically, it's something that's missing the mark of God. He lies. Uh, now, their father is uh, old. Their father's name is Isaac, and he's old, and he's blind, and he's about to die. And uh, it was tradition for them that before the father died, he would bless the oldest son. And he would uh, kind of pass the baton to the oldest son to lead the family to be the, the patriarch, to be the one that would guide and lead every, uh, everything and everyone. And we know a few things about the older son. He's kind of a manly man. I can resonate with that personally. I'm, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, well, good. That, was, that wasn't a joke, but I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, he's hairy. We know this guy is hairy. His arms have like, it's like goat hair on his arms. That's how they describe him. He's just this hairy guy. And then his, his brother, who I cannot resonate with at all, is kind of this real skinny guy, clean shaven, smooth. I, I, don't, I don't really know. Wear sweaters a lot. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't resonate with him as much. Uh, so there are these two brothers, and uh, the younger brother, Jacob, uh, he wants to get his father's blessing because it wasn't just kind of a, uh, just this nice thing that happens as passing the baton. There was something spiritual that happened when God 
um, poured out his blessing from a father to a son. Something in the spiritual realm was taking place and changing. And so uh, Jacob wants his brother's blessing. And so he, uh, he puts animal hair on his arms and he goes and he tricks his dad. He says, it's me, it's Esau, bless me. And his, his dad blesses him and gives him the eldest son's blessing. And uh, Esau finds out and he's angry, really angry. So he says, you know what, I'm going to wait until my father dies. And then I'm going to mourn my father. And then when that time of mourning is up, I am going to kill my brother, Jacob. And I'm going to take back the blessing that's rightfully mine. Now, Jacob is uh, not stupid, and so he, he runs uh, because his brother's bigger and tougher, and he wants to kill him. And so he runs away, uh, and he lives with his uncle, and he, he uh, marries uh, a couple times. He, he gets a couple wives, and that's a whole other story. Um, but he's got this family going, and he finds out that his father is dead, and the morning time is over, and uh, his brother Esau is looking for him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. So Jacob's on the run again because his brother is looking for him, and he's scared of his, his brother. And he, uh, he tells his wives and his family and his servants and his goats and everything uh, to go in different directions because he's going to go to his brother. He's going to beg for forgiveness, but if his brother kills him, he thinks maybe if they all go in different directions, he won't be able to kill everyone. Maybe some people will be spared. Uh, and that's where we're going to pick up Genesis 32. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone by himself. Nobody was there. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak, which is interesting because they just told us he was alone and now there's a man wrestling with him. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak and I want an egg McMuffin. And Jacob, just making sure you're still paying attention. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed him there. Have you ever been completely alone? Totally alone? By yourself? No one else around? Not even your cat or your dog? Uh, right before something big happens? Uh, maybe you're going into a, a big surgery or... Uh, maybe you're just grieving something. Maybe you have a big decision to make, and you're all alone. Uh, your hands are sweating, and your mind is racing, and, and there's no one there to talk to. That's the situation that Jacob is in, right? He's all alone, all by himself. He sent everyone away, and he's sitting on the edge of this river, and his mind is just racing. What's going to happen tomorrow when I see my brother what's he going to do? Is he going to forgive me? Is he going to kill me? Is this my last sunset? Uh, will I ever eat uh, another dinner? Uh, is this it? Am I going to die? And he's all by himself. And then a stranger comes on the scene and begins to wrestle with him, uh, which is kind of odd, right? We're going to get into that in a minute, but that's kind of odd. He's by himself, and all of a sudden, somehow, he's sitting there, he's thinking, and he's, his, his palms are sweating, and he's nervous, and, and then he just, someone jumps on him, and they start to wrestle. Uh, and we know that this, uh, this wrestler is some sort of divine being, like an angel or a, a messenger of God. There's something happening in the divine realm. So he's sitting and he's thinking, and then all of a sudden he is wrestling uh, with this angel, with this divine being. Uh, when I was 12, 
I was at a sleepover at John's house, and there were a bunch of us. And you have to know something about my friends. They all went on to become football players, uh, the captains of football teams, and some went to play in college. Uh, and I was a soccer player. Uh, so we have football players, and then we have soccer players, right? I mean, there are two different types of people, body types, and, you know, the whole thing. Uh, and they got this great idea at the sleepover. Let's have a wrestling match. Uh, and their parents, I don't know where they were. They were not watching out for me. I know that. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they left, like, the country or something. I don't know, because I could not find them anywhere. And so the guys, they take all the furniture, and they move it to the outsides of the living room, uh, and they begin to have a wrestling match. And I'm hiding next to the side of the sofa, trying to figure out uh, what to do, right? Like, uh, how many fences do I have to hop to get out of here and back to my parents' house so I don't engage in the wrestling match? And then they saw me over in the corner, and they pulled me into the wrestling match. And, and then I was wrestling. Well, kind of. Right? I was uh, in this wrestling match and, and bobbing and weaving, and you weren't there, and it was amazing. I beat them all. I mean, it was, uh, I, they were all laying on the ground like, oh, Kevin, you're amazing. Wow, what a great wrestler. Right? That's what happens. Uh, and uh, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. Uh, but I did wrestle with these guys. And you know what I realized is uh, when I was sitting in the corner, I was not wrestling. I was doing a lot of things. I was praying. Uh, I, was, I was doing a cost-benefit analysis of the day. Uh, how do I get out of here? Do I really want these friends? They're going to come in handy at some point, right? They're big and strong. And, uh, I was thinking about wrestling. I really was, you know. Uh, but I wasn't wrestling. I wasn't wrestling when I was hiding in the corner. I wasn't wrestling until I actually got pulled into the wrestling match. And then I was wrestling Wrestling uh, is not a thought process. Wrestling is not an idea. Wrestling is an action. Jacob wrestled with God. Wrestling with God is action-oriented. See, he's alone, and he's thinking, he's pondering, he's scared, he's weighing his options, he's by himself, and then all of a sudden, he begins to wrestle with God. This action happens. When you hear the word conviction, what does your mind immediately move to? Does your mind move to uh, thinking about things, to thought processes, to the right answers, to the right questions? Is that what you think about? Is that what your mind goes to when you, you hear the word conviction? Or does your mind go to wrestling with God? Because there's a big difference. Wrestling is an action, not a thought. I think oftentimes when we hear the word conviction, we think about knowing the right stuff so we can say the right things, but conviction is action lived out. Conviction is taking the things of God and then putting them into practice in our lives because we believe that doing the things of God is the best way to live. God wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe that when he says this is the best way to live life, that we would actually trust that that's true, and we would show our trust by living those things in our lives. There's an, a concept called application uh, that we strive for here at New Life. Uh, an application is simply referring to the practice of putting the truth of God in our lives, of practicing the things of God. See, conviction is all about application. It's about believing something to the extent that it moves us to action. When you're alone 
and you're reading your Bible and you're praying and, and God begins to reveal something to you, do you take action on it? Or do you just think about it? When you're in a life group and you begin to hear uh, that God is, is guiding you somewhere, do you take action on it? I'll be honest with you, for years, for years I heard that life groups were the best way to connect in a, a smaller community and connect with God. But it took me years to get into a life group. If you asked me, did I think that it was the best way? I'd say, sure. Being involved in a life group is the best way to engage with God. It's intimate, it's, it's small, and you're, you're moved to action. And yet it took me years to actually apply that into my life. And it's been amazing for Maria and I. Uh, it's been good for us. It's been good for me personally. It's been good for our marriage. It's been good for our daughter uh, to do that. When you hear things in your small group, do you take them and do you act on them? When you come here on Sunday mornings and, and we explore God's word together, do you leave and then act on the things you hear? Because conviction is all about action. It's all about action. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about Sabbath and I was fired up, right? You remember that? Uh, because Sabbath has changed my life. It's been good for Maria. It's been good for me. It's been good for our daughter. And, and we've really been loving it. Uh, last night, we were, going to, we were putting Maddie to bed. And, uh, and we said, you want to pray? And she said, uh-huh. She puts her hands together. She's, uh, she's 19 months old. She puts her hands together. And we said, who should we pray for? And she said, Mama uh, and Dada. And she said, Oe, which is what she calls our dog. And so we prayed for Mom and Dad and for Chloe and uh, and we prayed for Maddie, and it was this great time. We started praying together as we've been practicing Sabbath, and, and she's experiencing God just at 19 months old. It's been powerful. And, and so my life is being transformed, and I, I, was, uh, I gave that sermon, and I was really hopeful, and then I was with a group of friends a couple weeks later, and I, I wanted to ask them how the Sabbath had been for them, uh, but I chickened out, right? <laughs> it's like saying, hey, how's my hair? Like, do you like my hair? Like, what are they going to say? Uh, except with Sabbath, either you had been practicing it or you hadn't been practicing it, right? And I was nervous. Is it going to be awkward? Uh, what if they aren't doing it? Uh, will they think I'm, I'm weird for asking? Will it put a, a rift in our friendship? And so I, I chickened out. I did not ask uh, about their Sabbath experience, which got me wondering, why do I preach? Why do I preach? Why do I sit up here? Why do I spend hours uh, pouring through Scripture and praying and getting things ready? What's the point of it? I was really wrestling with that this week. What's the point of, of preaching? Do I really want to prepare another sermon uh, if I, I think that my friends aren't actually doing the things of God? And the answer that I came to was I preach because I think that wrestling uh, with and, and living in the tension uh, of God is the best way to live. Wrestling with God, putting these things into action will transform our lives. I preach because I have a conviction that there is a God. He is drawing people to himself. He is moving in powerful ways. He is healing our lives. He wants to do amazing things. And so I, I preach. That's why I preach. Why do you listen? I know why I preach. Do you, do you know why you listen? Why do you come here on Sunday morning? Is it because you believe that God is powerful and moving? that God wants to transform your life if you put these things into action? I hope so. I hope so. Guys, when you hear uh, a sermon about marriage and love and, and you learn that, uh, that you need to lay down your life for your wife, uh, not just like into actually die, but like lay down your preference on where you want to go to dinner, right? Or, or do the dishes. Do you actually put that into practice in your life? When you hear that God wants you to love your wife in a way that it would be sacrificing, and that's actually the best way to live. Do, do you put it into practice? 
Or ladies, when you, uh, when you hear that uh, you need to trust your husbands enough that you would actually lay down your rights and allow them to lead and guide you. That God says that's the best way for a marriage to be. Do you actually do it? I hope so. God says that marriages will succeed if we, if we do that, but we have to put it into action. We talked about money a couple months ago. And I said, you know, God wants to bring us freedom and he wants to bless us if we are content and if we're generous and if we uh, give 10% of our income back to the things of God, he promises he'll bless us. He said, I will pour open the gates of heaven and I will pour out my blessings on you. I was heartbroken on Tuesday when I found out that our giving in the last month is the lowest it's been in over a year. I was heartbroken. Not because uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. No, that's not it. I'm sad because God says, I will bless you if you do this. And we heard it, but we did not wrestle with God. Wrestling with God means taking action. And for some reason, when it comes to our money, we still aren't there. We heard it, but we didn't wrestle with God. And so you are missing the blessing of God. And that makes me sad. It's not just those things. Love, peace, service. Ron gave an amazing sermon on compassion last week. Did it change your week? God wants to bless us, but we have to take action. So Jacob wrestles with God because conviction is all about wrestling. And at the end of the wrestling match, his name is changed to Israel. And and Israel literally means strives with or wrestles with God. Jacob, uh, Jacob's name is changed to the one who wrestles with God. I wonder if conviction has little to do with hearing about God and everything to do with wrestling with God. That name Israel became the national identity of God's people. They became the nation of Israel. They became the people that wrestles with God. That was their distinction throughout history. Who are those people over there? Oh, they're the people that wrestle with God. We're the people who worship God over here. We're the people who, who check out God and experience God. But Israel, they're the people that wrestle with God, that engage with God, that, that strive with God. They're God wrestlers. They're not just God hearers. They are God wrestlers. And the story continues in verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And that word touched in the original language can mean touched. It can just mean he touched him, but it could also mean that he hit his hip or he, he elbow dropped his hip or, or he struck his hip, he beat his hip. We don't exactly know, but what we do know is that it hurt his hip. Uh, when I was, I didn't learn my lesson with the football players, by the way. Uh, when I was 13, uh, we were playing football in the street and I was rushing in because look at me, I'm the guy that should rush the quarterback, right? That's me. Uh, and so I'm in position and one of my buddies decides he's going to give me a boost uh, to get in there. And so the guy says hike and he throws me uh, and I land on my hand like this and I break these three fingers um, kind of up over up for one. One was this way. One was this way. Uh, my, it was, yeah, I got up and uh, threw maybe a single tear. I said, I think my fingers are broken. Just one tear though. Um, as they were, for me, uh, the game was over, right? I was in too much pain. There was no recovering from that. And yet, uh, anyone who's had hip surgery uh, knows the pain of a hip being out of place, right? But for Jacob, it didn't throw him out of the game. He continued to wrestle with God, even though he was writhing in pain. 
living with conviction can be difficult sometimes. Living out the things of God is not always easy. God promises that it will be difficult uh, to love your enemy, to pray for someone when they slander you, when they say horrible things about you. He says it's going to be hard, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, To be a person of integrity in work when you're only going to get ahead by turning a blind eye or by telling a white lie. Uh, It's difficult, but he says it's the best way to live by being generous. It's not always easy. We are in tight financial times, but it's the best way to live. Responding with love and compassion, Jesus says that's the best way to live. And in the end of the story, it's the way that brings blessing. Right? Jacob was tired. He had been wrestling all night, and now his hip was throbbing. He was in horrible pain. And the guy says, just let me go. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. When we live the way that God calls us to live, we should expect God's blessing in our lives. We should expect it. If we don't let go of God, he promises that we will experience, we will experience his blessing. Do you hold on to God when it's difficult? Or does a broken hip or a broken finger throw you out of the game? If you hold on to God, you should expect his blessing in your life. God's blessings come when we live out conviction. In John chapter 6, Jesus is speaking. He's got thousands of people listening to him. Thousands. And he begins to tell them the way to true life. He begins to tell them what it means to follow him, and and slowly all the people turn away. Some in chunks, some by themselves, all the people turn away, and they leave. Think about that. The creator of the, the universe, God, is speaking and telling people, this is how you come, and the people turn, and they walk away. And Jesus is left with his disciples, his 12 followers, and he says, uh, you don't want to leave me too, do you? I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to be who he was and to be here with us. Uh, The depth of his love in the midst of heartbreak, it blows my mind. Uh, He's telling the people how to live, and they walk away from him. And he looks at his disciples, and he says, you're not going to leave too. And Peter, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. When we think of the idea of eternity, for us it's this uh, thing that happens after we die, but for the Jews it was this thing that began to happen when you experienced God. You began to live the eternal life, a life of purpose, a life of passion, a life of consequence, a life of healing and joy. Eternal life started when they experienced God and it continued into the future. And so Peter says to him, where else are we going to go? We are experiencing full life right here. It's not easy. Thousands of people just turned away, but we're experiencing life here. Where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. If you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship with God, God's great desire would be that you would hear that and that you would respond like Peter. Where else can I go? You alone have the words of life. Maybe something is stirring in you this morning as you hear this. Uh, 
Maybe something is, 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 your heart's beating fast or your hands are sweating because uh, you realize that this Christian thing is not just about hearing the right things or believing the right things. It's about living the truth of God in your life. And God is calling you to respond. God wants you to say yes and to come to him and say, where else can I go? I've tried it on my own. I've tried to experience life. It's not there. You alone have the words of eternal life. I'm going to pray in a few minutes. And if God is stirring something in you, I'm going to give you a chance to respond by giving your, yourself over to God, allowing God to lead you and to guide you. And if you're here this morning and you would say, I am a follower of Jesus. I have found life in God. I, I have to ask, are you wrestling with God? Are you wrestling with God? I, I would hope that this morning uh, we leave here a little shaken up. Because if we're not, then we're not wrestling with God. Wrestling with God is about action. It's about striving. It's about trying to figure out, God, what does this mean? And then living it out every day. So I'm going to pray for, for those of us who are here who are followers of God that we would be able to wrestle with God and that our lives would be changed and transformed and we would experience the full life that God promises. Jesus says you will know the truth, you will experience the truth, and you will find freedom as you experience. So would you join me and let's pray. God, uh, like Peter, uh, we come before you this morning and we say, God, where else can we go? You alone have the words that bring life. Spirit, would you help us to be the people that you have called us to be? Would we own the truth uh, that, that you are real uh, and that your way to life is the best way to life, even if it seems difficult in the moment? And God, would you uh, be creating in us a deep conviction, a deep passion that burns to live out the things that we learn and experience through you? And in that, living it out, would you bring us to places of freedom, places of healing, places of wholeness and passion and purpose and vision? Would you make our com a community uh, a community that is marked by knowing you and being transformed in our actions because of you? And would you draw people to yourself through this little community of faith? As we continue to pray, uh, if you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship with God, I'm going to give you some space to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer uh, that would invite God to lead you in your life. And if some, God is stirring something in you and you want to walk with God in this life, and if you want to experience the life of passion that he has for you, I invite you to pray with me. Uh, so you can pray something like this. Lord God, I want to follow you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Would you come and would you guide me? And Lord, would you give me the strength to follow you on this journey? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.